posted once before about a break-in when I was a teenager, so I decided to post again about another creepy experience. My husband and I love to go driving. We prefer road trips, but on the weekends or nights when we have nothing better to do, we just go cruising and drive around. We prefer smooth and not busy roads. On this particular night, we were bored and decided to go cruising. We went up north to a small town about half an hour from the sea where the roads are curvy and smooth. This town is close to the mountains and if you follow this particular main street all the way up north, it starts driving up to a mountain. It's about 9pm and there are very few cars on the roads already since it's a small little cute town. But we keep going north away from the houses and stores and eventually where the roads start curving uphill. We drive for about 15 minutes more and it's pitch black when we start seeing some blinking lights. As we get closer, we see that a truck is on the side of the road facing us. I'm getting the chills thinking about being all the way out here in the middle of nowhere and a stranded truck on the other side of the road. As he slowly approaches closer, I told my husband it's probably for the best to turn back and that I had a bad feeling, but at this point we're pretty much so close to the truck. As he pulls up next to the truck, a young blonde guy, maybe in his late 20s, comes around and gets next to our window. I get such a bad vibe by this and tell my husband not to put the window down. I think he also gets a weird feeling because he actually listens. He kind of just loudly asks what's wrong and the guy says something's wrong with his truck and he might need a hand. His phone's dead. My husband asks what happened but the guy insists on showing him and telling him to take a look. He says it very friendly and even calls him bro and says he's so glad we pulled up. My husband says, you know what, I won't be much help, I know nothing about cars, but let me call for help. He knows a lot about cars actually, but obviously he wasn't laying on. The guy is insisting and he gets visibly upset. I'm looking back at the truck and I feel caught movement inside of the truck. I tell my husband D, I think we should go, now. He probably saw the look of fear in my face because he put the car in reverse, but as he did, the guy is now behind the car acting stressed out, rubbing his face and kind of pacing. So my husband decides to go forward and instead then. We drive up for maybe two minutes trying to find a place to turn around since the road's so narrow. The road turns to dirt and there's little more space on the side so he's able to turn the car around. I'm dreading going back that way now and our phones have no signal at all. In my mind, I know all this could really be someone with a car problem. Maybe a friend is in the truck too, he never said he was alone. I just can't help the bad feeling in my gut. We soon reached the area where the truck has been, but there was no truck at all. We drove down maybe another 5 minutes, but no trace of the truck, and we sure we passed the place we'd have just been. Like I said, we didn't drive too far to begin with. I am both relieved and terrified that the truck is no longer there. If it really had broken down, how did they get it to work again in such a short time? Calming myself down, I'm telling my husband, maybe he really did get it to work. Maybe it turned on all of a sudden and they just drove off. Suspicious, but not impossible. As we keep driving through and all the roads are draining out, we notice far off the truck with all the lights off and parked aside again and we notice movement in the bed of the trunk. I say out loud, why do they turn off all the lights? I think they think we're still too far away to see them, but we see two figures get on the other side of the truck and crouch down as if hiding. We get closer and my husband floors it. As we drive past, two men get up, one of them the guy we've spoken to and someone else, with a very surprised look on their face. 
One of them runs behind us a bit, and we see them get tinier in the back. I keep looking back terrified, but it's dark, and all of a sudden I see headlights turn on in the truck, and start driving in our direction very fast. My husband keeps going fast, and eventually we lose the headlights. I keep looking back the rest of the way, so scared that they're somehow still following us. Maybe they turn off their lights again, and I can't see them. Anyway, after driving for a very long time back to the city, we convince ourselves that no one's following us. We do call the non-emergency line and give a description of what we saw. No, we didn't get the plates of the truck. It was all so fast, in so much fear, that I didn't think to get them. We just give a description of what we saw, the guy's truck and what kind it was, but there's nothing really else we could say. I realise all this could be rationalised, but in the moment we were filled with terror, being out in the middle of nowhere with all the possibilities. They could have been armed, they could have put their truck sideways and left us with nowhere to go, they could have put something out in the road to rip our tyres, and even though it could have all had some explanation, there are still so many questions. Why can't he tell us what was wrong? How did the truck work again so fast? And why did they turn off all their lights? Why did they hide? It's been about a year since this creepy experience now. We still go cruising, but usually we just stick to the little more civilised areas, at least for nighttime cruises. So for starters, I'm a white girl who lives in the middle of nowhere Japan, so I stand out quite a lot. About two weeks ago, I decided to go watch a movie and get some shopping done because it's very cold where I live and only had summer clothes. Since the closest theatre and mall is an hour away, I wanted to make the most of my trip and I ended up seeing Joker at around 9pm and I did some shopping after. Everything up until the movie was fine and I had no problems. However, when I went to go see the movie, I took notice of this guy who sat directly behind me. I thought whatever, because probably he just bought the seat behind me because he liked being in the back of the theatre. Also, after movies in Japan, it's very common for everyone to stay seated until the end credits, but because it was late, I had to drive back home, and I didn't want to wait and get up from my seat. As soon as I got up, the dude behind me got up too. We made weird eye contact, and he just seemed a bit... off but I also didn't think too much of it because it was late. After, I walked to the bathroom and the guy was walking slowly behind me and stopped outside the bathroom and waited, all by himself, and he was watching me go in. Okay, now this I did think was weird. So, because I was a little freaked out by this guy at this point, I decided to stay in the bathroom for a little bit longer to see if he'd go away, but no. As soon as I walked out, this dude was outside watching me, but as soon as I started leaving the credits for the movie had just finished. So two other women in the theatre exited at the same time too. There were only four of us in the entire theatre. So as a group, we all left and got on the same elevator. Also, this dude was wearing a very large trench coat, which added to his creep factor. He was also just looking at me the whole time I was in the elevator. And as we were leaving through the entrance doors, I started to walk fast and then ran straight to my car, which was far away. And I just look at the dude, and he's standing there in the entrance, watching me run to my car. As I was about to leave, I saw him wait in his car, and it was turned off. He was also waiting for me, I guess. I decided to wait there too, in my car, and he didn't move or turn his car on for about 5 minutes. I was freaked out at this point, and drove out there as fast as I could. But as soon as I turned my car on, he turned his car on too. But I was too fast for him to catch up, and drove back home without him following. 
So, creepy guy in the trench coat who followed me in the middle of the theatre. Less not me again. This could have ended so badly for me if there wasn't other people there too, and if I didn't use my initiative. I was essentially in the middle of nowhere in that car park with nobody around me, so anything could have happened if I was two other people weren't there. When I was about 17 or 18, I was driving home from a friend's house after a movie marathon. It was around 1am when I left, and a decent drive. Not quite halfway, my gaslight came on. I had a few creepy catcall experiences at gas stations, and I was a little paranoid shopping that late in the middle of nowhere at £110 as a teenage girl. In the end, I think if I wasn't so cautious, I would have been kidnapped or killed. The first gas station I came across was well lit, and in a pretty open space, so I drove up to the pump and looked around my mirrors before getting out. As I was starting to pump gas, this normal looking guy comes out of the gas station shop and starts smoking a cigarette. The pump kept clicking off and not working, so I started messing with it trying to get it to pump. This guy starts watching me laughing. I assumed he was just laughing to himself watching a teenage girl trying to pump gas. After getting maybe one fourth a gallon, I gave up and moved to a new pump. After this point, if I didn't do absolutely everything I did, I would have been screwed. When I get back into my car, I lock my doors and drive to the other pump. I checked all my mirrors before getting out or shut my car off again. It was an old 90s Beetle and it didn't always start right away. That's when I saw the guy walking up to my car. He was smiling, walking up the driver's side window. Not wanting him next to me, I rolled down my passenger window. He paused for a moment, then smiled to himself and walked to the passenger window. He stuck his head in all the way inside my window to talk to me. He said, Hey, I know this seems really weird, but I promise I'm not a creep or anything. My car broke down, points in a red SUV, and I need a ride home. It's half a mile up the road. So I said, I'm sorry, but I don't know you. He said, oh no, I totally get it. I thought it was pretty weird as I was walking up here, but it's only half a mile up the road. I'm totally stranded. I said, I wish I could help you, but I really don't know you. He said, yeah, I get you. If you had a truck or something, I'd offer to ride in the back. Looks at me expectantly. Me. No, sorry. All of a sudden, he looks pissed. He yanked at my door, but I had it locked. Then he reached from inside door handle through the window. My car was still running, and I slammed it into first and peeled out as soon as he opened the door. The car taken off slammed it shut, and I sped off. I called the police after I got away. They looked at the gas station cameras right after I left. He got into his red SUV and drove off. If I hadn't locked my doors a second time, I would have been totally screwed. If I let him come to my driver's side window, he could have grabbed me. If I'd shut my car off, I wouldn't even have been able to drive off in time. If I didn't double check my mirrors, I would have been outside my car when he came up to me. Alright, here's some context. Back in September, I was taking hunter ed classes with my dad. Basically, you'd learn parts of a gun, how to handle a gun safely, etc. Since it was in person and not online classes, the instructors had stories to tell. These were about people not handling guns correctly, drunk shooting, etc. Most of them didn't end well. We were going shooting a lot those two weeks to prepare for the test at the end. One time, we went to an abandoned town that had a lot of people shot at. It had been shut down due to high lead levels. 
I had butterflies the whole ride, but brushed it off as just nerves. Mistake number one. That evening, we were the only ones there. We thought it would be pretty nice, since there'd be more spots open. Keyword, thought. We settled at a spot behind a hill, and shot at another hill nearby. My dad was sighting the 22 gun we'd bought, and I was sitting behind him. My earplugs were in, so it was hard to hear things, especially far away. All of a sudden, there was a very loud shot. It had to have been my dad, since it was so close to him and it was so loud. I was initially scared, as the above mentioned stories were told of shots being accidentally fired that didn't end well. In a concerned voice, I asked if it was my dad. When he said no, my fear became much greater. Another shot was fired, and our only thought was we'd become seen. We quickly unloaded the gun so it was safe and run up a hill. Mistake number two. My mum was wearing bright yellow and we were all jumping up and down, waving our arms. There was no way we couldn't have been seen. After two or three more shots, we ran to the edge. It was like a dried out valley lake. The edges were very high. We were at the bottom and the shooter was at the top. The next part confirmed our belief that we'd been seen and still continued to shoot. My dad called the police to report what was happening. He walked further out to see details, like the colour of the truck, how many people, etc, and was in the view of the shooter. Just a bit after my dad got on the phone, the guy left, probably assuming the cops or other authorities were called. We wish we'd brought the gun, because we were convinced he was shooting us. We stayed where we were for a long time, for the police, when a group of maybe four high schoolers came. My dad went and warned them about the previous events, and we decided after 15 minutes of waiting and no police arriving, we wanted to get out of there. We went and gathered our stuff, and I looked at where the shots had gone. The shots were no more than 25 meters away. If we bumped these guns just a bit, we'd be dead or I'd be in the hospital. Driving away, the police finally came. They asked some questions, and we were finally able to get the hell out of there. He unfortunately was never caught, and we fortunately never went back there. We don't know if he was trying to mess with us, trying to shoot us, or just drunk, but we were absolutely terrified. So, possibly drunk long distance shooter, please let's never meet again. I am an extremely outdoorsy female, and love to spend a lot of time in nature. I spent the better part of my early 20s living in the remote northern locations and exploring a lot of Alaska, Yukon and BC. I have many odd frightening and bizarre stories that came from my time in the north, and this is one of them. In the summer of 2012, when I was 22, I was living and working in a pretty remote town in northern British Columbia from May to September. The place I worked at was a campground in a provincial park on the Alaskan Highway, four hours north of Fort Nelson and two hours south of the Yukon slash British Columbia border. The best part about the park was the fact that it had a beautiful natural hot springs, which attracted tourists from all over North America every summer. 
I lived in an old trailer on a separate part of the campground, where the rest of the staff lived. I quickly got used to living in a place that had no running water, no electricity, no cell phone service and no internet. And driving four hours to Fort Nelson every two weeks to get groceries and do my laundry, life was pretty sweet. I got to hike, go for late night dips in the springs, and make some traveling friends, and spend quality time in nature, getting to know the flora and fauna of the landscape. My job at the campground? Park facility operator which was general maintenance and cleaning of campsites, as well as gatehouse attendant, wildlife interpreter, and sometimes I had a few security shifts here and there. The feeling of living in the woods was so completely different than the feeling of living in a city, as far as safety goes. In the city that I'm from, there are people around, and you are aware of the fact that your house or apartment could get broken into, but emergency services are pretty quick to respond, and neighbours are also a big plus. However, in the woods, I felt very vulnerable. The closest police were four hours away, and I lived in a trailer that was run down enough that it could easily be broken into. Not to mention it was pretty dark which made it all the easier to sneak around at night. I was already on edge sleeping every night. The trailer next to mine was abandoned by the previous manager of the campground, after his son had shot himself in the head inside of it. The previous manager had promised numerous times he would hire a company to drive up from Fort Nelson and tow the trailer away. But that never happened. Not whilst I lived there at least, and nobody seemed to care about it too much. I went into the trailer once, saw the blood and brains were still on the wall, and never went back again. Back in the 90s, there was also a fatal bear attack at the hot springs. We all had to read the incredibly gruesome and detailed police report. For our bear aware training. So yeah, unsettling to say the least. One night, at probably around two in the morning, I'm asleep inside my trailer and am woken up by a very loud banging on the trailer door. Reasonably shaken, I look outside the window next to my bed, and I see a car, with its lights on, and two men standing at my door. I can feel the blood drain from my face. This is the moment I've been scared of the entire summer. Through the door I say, how can I help you? And one of the guys clearly hammered out of his mind starts rambling on about something. No matter how hard I try, I cannot understand what he is saying. I say, sorry, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me and the other guy starts frantically trying to explain something in the same drunken state as the first guy. I decide at this point that they don't mean any harm, and I open the door to speak to them. They look visibly shaken, 
and I can tell that they are desperate for my help, but don't have the mental capacity of a sober person enough to coherently tell me what is wrong. One of the dudes starts telling me a very long story that I managed to piece together through all of his slurring and hiccuping. Basically, he says that him and his friend are on vacation, and they came up from Fort Nelson to party. They had a really long drive, but were at the hot springs and they were having beers. And they were sorry about having beers. They weren't drunk, clearly. And then he drops the bomb that someone is running around the camp stabbing people. I look at the guy telling me the story, and I notice that he has blood all over his clothing. I say, someone is going around stabbing people? And he replies, yes, someone's running around stabbing everyone. Then the other guy yells, come on, let's go. And they hop into the aforementioned car and sped off before I got a chance to question them further. Now I'm standing at my trailer door in the darkness, alone, thinking that there's a maniac running outside wielding a knife. I have no phone, and I know that the only person who has a phone is the ranger, and his cabin is about a five minute walk away from my trailer. I remember at that point that I do have a radio, so I run inside my trailer, lock the door, and try and get the ranger on the radio. Of course, his radio is switched off, and the only thing I think I can do at this point is to go to the ranger's cabin and notify him of the situation. I slip out of my trailer and run through the darkness across the maintenance ground, past the creepy suicide trailer, and through a thicket straight towards the ranger's cabin. Every single noise I hear from the surrounding forest is making my heart pound faster. I keep imagining this maniacal man sneaking through the bushes, entering people's tents, and slashing everybody like some bad horror film. I get to the ranger's cabin and pound on his door. He answers within a few minutes, visibly sleep deprived, and I tell him the whole story. Whilst I'm there, he calls the police, and he tells him that they are on their way, and will be there in four hours. The ranger grabs his gun, walks me to the back of the trailer and says, don't let anybody in. I stay up the rest of the night, listening for any sort of disturbance around me. The intense kind of listening where you're concentrating so hard on any external sounds that might be made, that you almost feel death from the silence. After about two hours of doing this, my trailer starts rocking back and forth. I freeze. My heart drops. I can hear the sound of someone breathing extremely heavily, and I'm thinking, this is it. A knife-wielding maniac is going to murder me, and this trailer is going to have to be another one which they will have to tow away. I'm just sitting there on my bed, in my trailer as it's rocking, waiting for the maniac to stop tormenting me and just break the window and stab me. 
I am listening intently to the heavy breathing, and that's when I hear a grunt. A very non-human sounding grunt. I get a feeling that it's not what I think it is, and I peer out of the window, and I see a bison is scratching its back on the side of my trailer, causing it to rock back and forth. The RCMP get there around 6.30am, and proceed with their investigation for about 10 hours. They close off the springs and the entire campground turns into an episode of CSI. We don't hear anything about what took place during the night, until the investigation is over. Apparently, there was a guy at the springs who made a lewd comment about one of the females in another group, which resulted in an argument. The guy disappeared and returned an hour later with a knife, stabbed two of the guys in the group, and booked it back to Fort Nelson. Not before stopping at my trailer with his buddy, to tell me of course of the incident. Yeah, one of the guys at my trailer. He was the dude stabbing people. My guess is that him and his friend stopped by my trailer to try and make it look like they were innocent. Drunken logic. The two guys that were stabbed survived, which is good. For many days following this incident, I was cleaning up blood-soaked clothing and rags from all random places over the campground. So knife-wielding maniac, let's not meet again. A few years after my father had graduated from CSU, and my mother had graduated from TCU, they both had jobs at a small company in Fort Worth, Texas. Having met at a few company parties, and hitting off things a few years later, they finally got married, and my father got a job in Colorado for a small but growing engineering company. So off they pack, and move from Fort Worth, Texas, to Colorado. Getting in a car with their few belongings, they start to make their way there. Now I'm not sure why they took the road they did, but instead of a larger interstate highway, my mother and father decided to take a smaller, not-so-traveled highway on their final stretch back to my father's hometown to catch Highway 14 to their new home. Having driven all day, and it being the middle of the night, my father had the idea of pulling off to the side of the road to sleep for a few hours, before waking up and finishing out the journey. Bear in mind, there were no rest stops on this highway, so it was either side of the road or nowhere to rest. My mother agreed, but maybe 20 minutes after stopping and trying to get sleep, my mother didn't feel comfortable, and decided instead of sleeping here, she would drive while my father rested, and when he woke up, she would rest while he took over. Just to reiterate, this is a not-so-traveled highway, so there are no lights, and my parents are in the middle of nowhere, and the nearest city or town is miles away. Not a mile or two down the road, my mother notices something on the side of the road, and she gets closer, and notices it is just a single man in the middle of nowhere, with no lights or anything, just walking on the side of the road, 
in the direction of where my parents were just parked. There were no broken down cars further up the road, and there was nothing in miles to justify why this man would be walking on the side of the road. My parents don't bring it up much, but they have wondered what would have happened if they both fallen asleep in their car on the side of the road that night. We were camping in Sequoia National Forest, and our campground was as secluded as it gets. Just to reach it, you had to go on a treacherous one-way dirt road for over an hour. We arrive in the afternoon to find the campground only had two other inhabitants. The campground host, a little older lady, and a little dog. We set everything up, cook dinner, and settle in and get some rest as the sun went down. Throughout the night, we would be awakened here and there by sounds. Nothing out of the ordinary, for camping in the middle of the dense wood. Just things like branches snapping and things moving in the trees. At 11pm, we heard something going through the bolted trash cans around the campground. Knowing we were in bear country, I beat my car a few times and tried to scare it off. This happened a few times, and whatever it was kept coming back. As night went on, things got more and more strange. A meadow about a hundred yards from where our tent was, was populated by a few wild cattle that earlier that day made some kind of scene for something terrible going down. We heard the sound of cows screaming bloody murder like they were being torn apart. My initial thought was, shit, it's a bear or cougar pack of coyotes, or some kind of predator that was messing those cows up. It's obvious they were in distress, but after that, there was a noise I heard that I'd never heard any animal make before. It was a loud, deep howl, almost like a portamento, where it starts low and rises higher and higher in pitch. It was loud as hell. I could feel it in my chest vibrating. Needless to say, we were extremely freaked. It didn't stop there. Along with the sounds of cows dying, we also heard things like massive branches being torn off trees around us, something knocking against trees like with a rock or stick, and at one point, something big was walking around our camp. When we stuck a flashlight to the window in the tent, something massive went running by our tent, shaking the ground as it ran, as it was fast as hell. Eventually, all of this commotion died down, but not before that howl slash shriek was let out again. This time further away in the woods. Of course, I didn't sleep that night. I anxiously waited for the sun to rise before inspecting the campground. Even though we heard trash being ripped and bottles clanking together, the trash cans weren't knocked over. They were still chained shut, which we thought was odd because a bear would have surely made more mess. We searched for bear and cougar tracks, but the only things we found looked like human tracks, like bear human feet, maybe a little bigger, but normal size. Not like those huge Bigfoot casts people have taken. I will say that I am far from a conspiracy theorist. I'm a huge skeptic. The thought of Bigfoot has always made me laugh. But still, as the day went on, and the prospect of spending another night there, now being the only campus present, became less and less appealing. We packed up quickly before the sun got too low, and got out of there. 
On our way home, whilst discussing what happened, my girlfriend pulled up various Sasquatch sounds on YouTube. Some were ridiculous, and some sounded identical to what we'd heard. Let's just say, I'm a little less skeptical now than I used to be. So, as a kid I lived about 100 miles away from the nearest town, at a house without electricity or running water, which is the works in the Colorado Rockies. This place was in the absolute middle of nowhere, and we frequently sought all kinds of wild animals, ranging from elk, deer, coyotes and cats. Our property and a bunch of other neighbours' properties bordered national forest roads, so to keep people off our road, we had to gate about a mile and a half from our house that we drove through before we reached our house. This time of year, we are the only people up there, as all the other homes are hunting cabins, long empty by this time in late winter. Now, this was not the type of gate that you could drive around if you forgot your key. There were tons of trees all around it, with barbed wire, ditches and such, so anyone wanting for off-road around it would basically have to build a new road around this gate. Well, one night, my mother, brother and sister and I pull up to the gate, and we cannot find the key. It's gone. So one of us, i.e. me, has to walk all the way back up to the house in the pitch black to fetch the spare key and make their way back down. Now, it's recently snowed in January, and it is totally dark. You can't even see your hands in front of you dark. And with the new snow, you can't hear anything either. There are a few clouds in the sky, on and off to let some starlight through every once in a while. But it's dark, and of course there isn't a flashlight either. So off I go. First, you walk through around 200 metres of trees, then it opens up to a huge meadow, which then narrows back down again to trees for another 200 metres, and then opens up again into another huge meadow, which on the other side of, is our house. I set out and everything seems fine. I'm just irritated that I have to do this. I'm about 15 years old at the time, and a little angsty teen that is peeved off at the slightest chore. I was not thinking about my surroundings in the slightest, but as I'm walking, I get that feeling that I'm being watched as I'm halfway through the first meadow. That deep, creepy dread that something is right behind you, and you can't see what it is, made it a thousand times worse by the lack of light, and lack of being able to hear. My first instinct was to run, but I knew that if there was something, I was just going to provoke it, so I kept going, and then stopped to try and listen, as I heard a crunch echoing my footsteps. Holy shit. This time I walked a little faster, and I knew there was something behind me. It was probably a cat as well, so I just kept walking right into the second bunch of trees before it opened up into a meadow. I could see our house. I could feel the pressure. At this point, we were predator and prey, 
and I could feel the breath on my shoes. So second clearing comes up and I know what the plan is and I am about to book it. Thankfully, I'm familiar with what to do and I scream as loud as I can. As I do so, my dogs hear me and they run to chase whatever it is from behind me. They continue running past me and I book it into the house. When I get in, I grab the 12 gauge first and the key second, then pick up the tractor keys and jump in. There was no way I was going to walk that again. As I'm driving back towards the gate, I see the dogs running back. At least they weren't hurt. That could have been extremely dangerous. I also see the tracks. I knew it was a cat. It actually started approaching me from the first meadow and was tailing me for a long time. I tell my family the whole story and I know that I'm not going to get any sleep tonight. From that day, I refuse to be out alone at night in the countryside without a weapon. Number 3 I was camping on land associated with the Anasazi, long dead Pueblo Indians that very few people know anything about. This was when I was a boy scout. We hiked for a few days and we saw black bears every day. It's normally a somewhat unusual sight and freaked out the adult leaders and caused us to religiously use anti-bear tactics like bear bags. Not totally related to the story, but it slowed us down which led us to the events here. Anyway, we camped in a wood cabin at the bottom of a plateau and the local rangers told us a bunch of spooky camp stories about the plateau and its relation to the long dead Anasazi people. Even their real names is lost to history, as Anasazi is what the Navajo called them, meaning ancient enemies or those who are not us. Another part of what they told us that stands out is that the Anasazi were obsessed with ravens and possibly crows as well and a lot of their superstition revolved around massive raven people and people with raven heads, stuff like that. I completely forget all the other details at this point, as it was well over a decade ago. Anyway, my tentmate is a bit slow and is also very allergic to peanuts. He ends up eating some of the prepackaged food that contains a copious amount. That combined with the ongoing poor planning fear of bears and sloppy leadership causes the adults to decide to camp out on the plateau rather than keep going. On this scout ranch, you're only supposed to camp outside the designated areas and never on the particular plateau, just because of the geography and the environment. But forget the rules because we do anyway. We set up camp, eat, lay the bear bag and head off to sleep. That night though, was the craziest thing. I could hear so much thunder and so could my tentmate, but absolutely no rain, like insanely loud. My tentmate and I were terrified. It could have been heat lining, but it sounded impossibly close. We're terrified. He, the braver one of the two, actually goes out to check. As he opens the flap, I see the forest behind him. He comes back a few minutes later and the thunder pretty much stops at the same time. He looks at me 
and goes to bed without saying anything at all. It's not unusual in itself. He could be pretty slow and non-social, and likely had mild autism in hindsight. But the next day, we wake up and a ton of things popped red flags. Firstly, our tent is facing an open field, which is very strange, because yesterday we both saw Forrest from when he left the tent to check. Second, no one else heard lightning that night, except for us, which was absolutely crazy as it was loud enough to wake everyone on earth. Remember how my tent mate checked out the thunder as well? Well, he had no recollection of what he saw. He woke up confused, saying that the last thing that he remembered was just stepping outside. The good part though, the guy in the tent next door brought this up before we did. He also decided to get up and check it out and he claims that when he stepped out of the tent, there were no trees anywhere. Just extremely long, tall pole objects, almost as if there were thousands of stilts. When he looked up, he also said that there was no lightning visible, but it was super bright full moon on steroids bright. He also claimed that he had seen flying, winged, pitch black objects, bigger than cars, and they looked like they had wings on them and that they were round. He dove back inside and doesn't remember going to sleep or the noise going away. Remember the giant raven myths? I did, and I was scared shitless. I wouldn't have believed him if I hadn't have seen the trees and heard the thunder for myself. <laughs>